Christmas is out of the way now, the decorations are put away. Then we said we had a chance to get used to, to Sandy being retired. Now, start, time to start thinking about what we're into the new year, looking forward, moving forward, where are we going, what are we doing. And with that in mind, I thought it would be useful if we could think about our vision. It's a convenient year, having a 2020 vision. Yes. But putting first things first and, and working out as we as we think about our plans, think about hopefully finding oh no, we can't replace Sandy, she's irreplaceable, but hopefully finding somebody else who can fill that uh, capacity of pastor. What do we want? What sort of pastor are we looking for? But that that in itself brings up loads and loads of questions and uh, so I thought we'd look a little bit about first what is the purpose of church and then we'll lead into some of this. There is a, a, a formal process for finding pastor and the leaders have got a, a very long form that they've got to fill in and we've got to put, put together a profile of what we are about as a church but also what we want in terms of a pastor to read, and uh, there are things we're going to have to clarify that. We're going to seek your, I say we, I'm not we, but the church, the leaders will be seeking some input from you. Do you need a, a pastor who is a whiz on IT? He says, looking at Sandy. <laughs> uh, you know, do we need somebody who's an evangelist? Do we need somebody who's good at Come around and take care of the pastoral. What is it that we want? But you know, in, in that we need to know what we are. So, what's the purpose of the church? Well, the first purpose, the overarching purpose of the church, is to be God's cherished possession under the headship of Christ, to be the bride, bride of Christ for the praise of His glory. That's what we're here for. Now you might look around and think, well, I'm not sure that is what we look like. But that's what we're here for. That's what the whole church throughout the world is there. To be God's cherished possession. Christ is the head of the church, the body of which he's the saviour. He's the head of the body of the church, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. You can see the scriptures up there. It's his church. He says to Peter, I will build my church. And he did it to make her spotless and glorious to present her to himself at the end of time. So that's the overarching purpose of church. And it's one we, we don't really have in our minds. But it's a very important thing. This is big picture stuff. But it's also the church as a function, a purpose. If it didn't, if the church wouldn't exist. You now, we Jesus would have taken us to be his bride before, before now. So that means there's a purpose still going forward, and it's this. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's what we're doing when we're singing, when we're worshipping. The whole of the universe is listening. We might think that the 
We don't make much of a noise. We might think they can't hear us down the end of the corridor. But the powers and the authorities in the heavenly realms hear what happens in this room. And a lot of them shudder because we mention the name of Jesus. And a lot of others, the angels go, Amen. That's just what's happening in the bigger picture. But we also have a mission outside of this, these doors, these windows. There's a town called Brightensea. You may have heard of it. A lot of people haven't, but we may have done. And God loves this little town. We love it, but God loves it even more. And he says to us, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations and block privacy, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Years ago, our daughter Mary um, was with a missionary organisation, Youth with a Mission, YWAM, across the globe. Um, we know some very old youths. We know a lot of YWAM people, and we, we know youth with a mission who are in their 70s and 80s. But um, we also know lots of teenagers and whatever. And they have a very simple mission statement to know God and to make him known. Couldn't be simpler than that. To know God and to make him known. It's the personal relationship and the combined that relationship to other people. Jesus said to his disciples, Now this, in fact, he said it in prayer. He's actually praying. Now this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one who sent us. You see, church isn't just about us and our needs. Yes, it is there for us. We, we, we have a role and a purpose in that, and I'll touch on that in, in a moment. But the bigger picture is that we have been committed the message of reconciliation. That God is making his appeal through us to the world, to our locality, to our friends, to our neighbours, to our family, to everything we need, to be reconciled to God. We are his ambassadors. And we reach out with the love of Christ into the world. The love that was evidenced on the cross. Jesus believes in pastors. He appointed Peter to be the pastor of the early church. He didn't appoint him to do it on his own. There was a team of them, and that's an important thing. But there's some, some, some scriptures there um, where it says Simon, because it's called Simon Peter. Did you know that Simon means little bits of gravel, whereas Peter means rock? So he said you're little bits of gravel, but now you're a rock. Jesus asked him if he loved him. Loved him. And when the dog said yes, he said, feed my sheep. No words, take care of the flock. But we see that Peter didn't just take care of the flock, the early believers, but he took leadership. And the day of Pentecost, he stood up. Or before that, they were gathered in the upper room, praying, waiting to be clothed with power from high. And they'd been praying for, for days and days, and eventually Peter stood up and said, Brothers, Gave a little speech and said, Now this is what we should do. So he's 
acting in a leadership role, giving guidance and direction. And they were approved, so it went on. And then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came, and tons of fire on, on them all, as they were gathered there, the 120 or so. And then Peter stood up with the eleven. Because they had, you know, Judas had been replaced, that was what happened in the previous, he stood up. He's good at standing up as Peter, and uh, most of the time. Uh, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. The eleven of the other um, disciples, obviously. Um, but they were also in a pastoral role, in a leadership role. So people taking leadership as a pastor. Okay, that's fine. But what sort of pastor do we need? We don't need a one-man band. Can't play all the instruments. No. <laughs> and he said, pointing to himself, he's been doing <laughs> all the different hats on. I've been doing a bit of juggling this morning. And we don't need somebody who's going to be juggling lots of things and trying not to drop the ball. Because it just becomes a burden. We need a team player. And I'm not going to tell you what sort of pastor we need, but these are some of the things we need to be aware of. And uh, one band, there's no scriptural basis for one man band pastors. I, I never get it why it happened for so long in the church. Somebody said, maybe more than one person perhaps said, well, we would like another one just like Sandy. I'm sorry, there was only one just like Sandy. <laughs> and if God wanted us to have a pastor just like Sandy, guess what? We'd still have that one as our pastor, even the better it's on. So, clearly, we've got to have someone other than just like Sandy. Maybe we'll get one quite so lovely. Well, I'm sure you will. Sometimes you could get one with a brain that work for you to set up to grind up and get in the end. We could do, but, but there's no guarantee. And um, just the thing is, change is inevitable. Now, I know lots of people say, I don't like a change. Change happens, whether you like it or not. We're, we're older today than we were yesterday. We can't stop that happening. You know, and if we don't change, change will still happen. There was a, a few years ago, well, a lot of years ago, there was a bunch of light bulb jokes went around the church. I don't know if you've heard any of them. How many different words does it take to change a light bulb? It's a shame, actually, that my Becky isn't here, so I could get away with the Anglican joke. How many Anglicans did it take to a lot change a light bulb in the time? I can't remember that one. How many Catholics? We don't use light bulbs, we use Catholic, we use candles. Um, how many Pentecostals? One can change two light bulbs at the same time. The rest. Um, and how many Baptists does it take to change a light bulb? What do you mean change? <laughs> yeah, there was a whole bunch more of them, and I can't remember them, but change happens. Look at Woolworths. Used to be a darling in the high street. They didn't change. They didn't move with the times. They disappeared. Whether we like it or not, we have to change. And a different pastor will bring change. Every different person that walks the door brings change. But we, we have to learn to embrace it. If you change nothing, nothing changes. If you always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always got. So my favourite. Phrases. If you want something different, you have to do something different. And this was a challenge that I laid down to our church in various movements five years ago. The church was getting smaller. 
And I said to the, the much bigger church in this, and I said, look, we carry on for another five years. There's only going to be ten of us left working. Another ten years. So there'll be about three of us left working. And that won't include me. So who's going to pay the pastor's salary? So how are we going to have a pastor? And so it goes on. You can draw the same thing here. But we call that church to pray. And, uh, because the call was sick shrinking. There were lots of people who came to church and would see occasionally, but the core people who would be there most weeks, the core people who would pick up responsibilities and run with them, whatever they would be, even simple things like making the tea, putting chairs out, and, the, and things like reading the service, as well as I mean, preaching, we were okay with preaching, but lots of these things, we were, we were running out of extra people to do them, and so the, the workload was getting heavy. And that's happening here. It's happening here. So we called the church to pray, and we, we identified that we needed 10 new core people. Not new converts, core people who are committed Christians, walking in faith, people with abilities, skills, energy, physically fit, in some cases, able to do that. Do you know, we started praying within a month, four people walked in the door. They were a whole family. Uh, we, want, we wanted all sorts of things. Mother joined the worship group as a singer. Eldest son joined the technical team because he was into public address systems and he was a DJ. So he, he, he literally, the first day he walked into the church, he walked up in a big public address system. He walked up and went, well, that's interesting. Why is that plugged into there and not there? Uh-huh. And we said, well, oh, this is really hard. Oh, okay. So I'm going to use that to record him. Yeah, do you want to sit down? <laughs> he was on the technical team. He also played guitar. And we knew we were leaving at this stage, or we hadn't told the rest of the church. We played guitar. I mean, it's a singing tune, unlike me. But we also knew we were leaving, and we needed um, somebody to take over the running of the website, and we needed somebody to take over um, doing some of the administrative functions in the trustees, and doing all the legal reporting and that sort of thing. And another couple walked in the door. He was a semi-pro musician, and a website builder. So he took on all the church RT. His wife was a chartered accountant who took on, who was working as an administrator for a charity. So she took on all <coughs> the legal aspects of it. It happens. And within five months, we had ten people walk in the door, all of them who were able to take jobs that Joe and I were going to let go of, or other people were overburdened with, or were getting to a point that they just couldn't cope with them. So it happens. So we need to pray about that. And so change can be a good thing. Characteristics and qualifications of the pastor. There are, there are some, some qualifications in Scripture. I'm not going to spend time on them now. You can read 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 to 5. Uh, incidentally, I've got a dozen copies of the slides here. So if people want to take them away so you can... You've got all the scripture references in, so you can look at them as a tool to pray into the, into the new past. But we need to pray with all the hearts to send workers into this harvest field. So not just praying in the new past, but praying in these core people. Knowing that God equips people don't have to come and qualify. It's nice to get a charge of accountant and a, and a website builder. But we also got some other people who 
took on new things, things they'd never done before. And they stepped up and said, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Equipped for purpose, that leads me on to. From Ephesians. It was he, God, who gave some to the apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And that passage then goes on to talk about each part doing its work together to build the church up in love. That's the bigger reading. Because so, I lost a piece of paper. So God equips and gifts people. And you'll notice there there's three or four different types of leader in the church. Apostles. That means sent one. Generally speaking, it means somebody who actually travels around from church to church, helping and supporting um, the likes of Peter Gibson, who's been here to preach. I've forgotten his name, there's another one as well that we have come occasion. And they often work in identifying new leaders in churches and, and supporting them and, and that. But that's one role. Evangelists. Now we've got an evangelist sat over there in the in, in these purple. Guardian. We've got another one that isn't here today. Impurity. Pastors and teachers. Now very often in the church, that's a, that's a, a double-headed role. Pastor and teacher tends to be one person. But actually, they are, they are quite different. A pastor, the correct definition of a pastor, is actually somebody who takes pastoral care. And the example we see, and Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. And it's one who shepherds the flock. Who takes care of them. In it takes care of their, their spiritual welfare. So it's very much a lot, a lot of one-to-one stuff. But we tend to use the, the word pastor to mean just anybody who's that head of the church. That's not necessarily the case. A teacher, I'm a teacher. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. I'm not an, an apostle. My view is, is teaching. I could do a bit of the other stuff as well, but it's... You know, pastoral care is not my gift by, by any stretch of imagination. But those are the four key ministerial roles. But it's a whole body of ministry. As I say, this passage goes on to talk about the whole, that these people work to build up the church. It's up there, until we all reach unity and faith. And we all reach maturity. And we all work together. We are prepared for works of service inside the church and out. And we all work together to grow the body. So it's an all-body ministry. Growth is everybody's responsibility. Your own spiritual growth is your own responsibility. Uh, others can help. We aim for maturity in the body. I remember once in the church, somebody left. One, one, of, one of the elders in the church actually left, and a meeting was held to sort out who was, what was going to happen with the household that he had. And I remember distinctly one lady saying, but I need that man to, we need him here to tell me what the Bible means. And we've been living in that house for 15 years. And I said, so are you telling me that in the 15 years you've been in this group, he hasn't taught you how to read it for yourself? Then things need to change. And, uh, because that's not growing to maturity. 
You don't, you don't expect to be spoon-feeding a teenager. It's our individual responsibility. She should have said, look, I, I struggle with this. Show me how to do it. When it comes to pastors, leaders, whatever, we need to pick the right tool for the job. There's some tools up there. Hammer, pick a tool from what you see. A hammer. A hammer. Okay, the task is to cut a piece of wood in half. You pick the wrong tool. I could, I could work through the whole lot. But simple point made. If we're going to appoint a pastor, we need a pastor to do the job we want the pastor to do. Not the job we don't want to do. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Which comes first, the journey or the destination? I'll ask Jane that question because you go navigating off together the destinations. What comes first? Destination. Yeah? Because you can't do the journey without knowing where you're going to go. Generally, you can't, can you? You try buying a ticket without knowing where you're going. I have been known to sail down the river and go, left or right. <laughs> because I'm not really going anywhere in particular. And if we, if we don't want to go anywhere in particular as a church, we can go, left or right. But we need to know where we're going. Which comes first, the task or the tool? I've already hinted at it. Just pulling Alan's leg there. You can't pick the right tool until you know what the job is you're going to do. I walked into um, Screwfix one time and I said, I want a drill, please. And the guy behind the counter said, Are you sure you want a drill? So I said, Yeah, I know, I want a drill. He said, I bet you don't want a drill. I said, I bet I do. He said, Well, what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to make it a hole in the wall. He said, So you don't want a drill, you want a hole in the wall. I said, yeah, he said, I bet you don't want a hole in the wall. He said, I do want a hole in the wall. That's why I want a drill. He said, what are you going to do with a hole in the wall? I said, I'm going to put a screw in. He said, so you want a screw? You can see where it goes. And eventually the conversation goes, well, actually, I'm going to put a picture on the wall that's my grandchildren so I can look at their lovely places. So I didn't need a drill. I didn't need a hole in the wall. I've got a house full of stuff that I don't want. I have. Literally, I spent my whole life earning money to buy things I don't want. I've got a television. I don't want a television. I want to watch TV programs. I can't go watch them without the television. You see, where, see what I'm saying? What do you want? Which comes first, the job or the job description? I know this is something that Sandy's struggling with as pastor here. She said, I don't really know what my job description is. Well, how can you do a job unless you know what the job is? What are you entitled? You're the best guess. If we want to pass that, we better be sure what the job entails. Because we might get some here and it seems very nice and then, and then they say, actually, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't do it. It's not me. Vision or leader. This is a very challenging one, this. Come on to that. Right? In the book of Proverbs, it says, when there is no vision or direction, the people decay. The people cast off restraint. The people won't run wild. Depends on translation. I can't, looking at it, I can't see you running wild. I can't see you running wild. Well, Christine might. She, she's a bit like that. She might run wild. But most people won't. But the people decay for lack of direction, lack of vision. Are we going to take God's direction or our own? 
We, we say very easily, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done. When it comes to appointing a pastor, the vision of where we are headed is vital. As it says in, in Amos, can two men walk together unless they be in agreement? In Habakkuk, the Lord said, write down the revelation or the vision. Write it down, make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. What's the vision of Oasis Community Church? Hands up those who know. Oh dear, Christine's sort of going, well I might do. Have something to do with our name? It's the, it's the very, very question. What is the vision for the church? So, do we need a pastor who will help us work out what that vision is, define it for us, so that we can run with it? Or, do we work out what the vision is, so you can find a pastor who says, yeah, I can run with that, and us run along too, in the same direction? I don't know the answer. But it's important that we work it out. Either we set the vision and the direction and find somebody that says, yeah, I can identify that, I understand that, I buy into that, let's go for it. Or we say, frankly, we're floundering, we haven't got a clue where we're going, please help us put the vision together and then we'll, then we'll have to run with it. But of course, that might be very different. And we might actually, somebody might put a vision together and say, and we say, you know, that's not us. That's not what we... In which case, what is? It's very, very important questions. These are the things, the first things that we have to work out. Talk about job description. There is actually a, a, a biblical job description for a pastor. The headings are preaching and teaching, prayer and ministry of the word, directing the church and watching over the flock. Now, those are big headings, and then you can put all sorts of things under us. But those are the principal roles. You may have other expectations of what that might look like. Those watching over the flock means they're going to your house every week visiting you. Might do, but generally that should be only if you've got a problem, you know, that needs correcting. Um, yes, there might, you might need somebody to come and pray with you or whatever. That's important. Uh, but it doesn't have to be a pastor's job. Um, but I know from past experience, if you ask the church, What's, what's the most important thing Everybody puts essential on visit. Pastor comes to visit. We had a gentleman in a previous church. Nobody ever came to visit him, apparently. And five or six people a week would go around. One guy would take him a bottle of lemonade every Thursday afternoon and sit with him for three hours listening to him do that. But nobody came to visit him. What he meant is the pastor doesn't come to visit him. Well, actually, he did. He only came about once every three months because there was a nearly a hundred people in the congregation. So whilst it was three months, maybe he was visiting somebody every day, pretty much. But he didn't visit everybody every day, because some said, no, I don't need him. Anyway, those are the, the headings. But we need to define the job of the pastor, have an idea of what it looks like, to make sure that we get what we're looking for. But it's not all the pastor's job, and then you see it says they also applies to elders, overseers, spiritual leaders. I believe in a plurality of leadership. The congregation, the wider church body, has a job description as well in scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Commitment, in other words. 
those things. Those are the key things that build disciples. You're told to make disciples. That's what a disciple looks like. Submit to the authority of leaders who watch over you. That doesn't have to be a heavy thing, but recognising that the leaders are there for a reason, that they're appointed by God. Serving one another in love, using whatever gifts you've received. Have you got a gift you're not using? This is the place to use it. I won't say use it or lose it, because I don't know that God takes gifts away from that reason, but he might. Yeah, there's a parable you might support that. But, you know, maybe, maybe you can do the service. I put together, it was a conversation with that I, Jeremiah had the second the other evening. I've actually put together a worship leading template. When we fancy having a go at leading service, the things that we generally tend to include on one side, some notes on the back. You know, fancy to crack it in. This is a safe place. If it all goes wrong, if it all goes bad up, you see, I've lost a bit of paper this morning, left a couple of things out. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, so working together to encourage one another, build up the church. There's a passage in 1 Corinthians that talks about the things that must be done in the service. Um, they're not. This list is just a problem. Things like everybody has a song, a word of encouragement, a prophecy, whatever. These must be done. But there's also the practical working together to encourage one another. And I know people do a lot of that. People make phone calls and do one another. Discipling, mentoring, and teaching others. It's not the pastor's side job. It's everybody's job. I've got a picture here of um, plurality of leadership. I believe in this. Give you an idea of what church leadership in the biblical model looks like. Of course, it's all under the headship of Christ. But there are two aspects to leadership. The deacons or diacon, maybe called other names. In the church of England, they call them sidesmen. Church wardens or whatever, but it's things like setting up the board, organising the finance, voters, secretarial stuff that Joe does, reporting to our copyright stuff and legal stuff, organising meeting agendas, organising stuff. And then there's a spiritual aspect, which in this church, I think, has historically been the sole parameter of the pastor. That's a, that's a big one to carry, to be honest, and it would be better. The church had some other people. Bible refers to as elders or overseers. They called other things in other churches. We shared a load of preaching and teaching, spiritual guidance and direction, identifying that guidance, that direction, and setting mission goals, and clarifying the vision, identifying gifts within the congregation, encouraging people to use them, weighing prophecy when it comes. All of those are spiritual aspects. But you notice the pair of glasses there. I'll put it deliberately under the pastor, but it's spiritual leadership generally, but particularly pastor, as an oversight of everything. It keeps an eye on what's going over here, it doesn't have to do it. You know, it's no good asking Sandy to uh, do the legal stuff, and not she's in the job anymore anyway. You know, it's not her, it's not her bag. And it shouldn't be. Um, you see the, the example in Acts chapter 6, where basically the apostle, they got a complaint that some of the, some of the widows weren't getting fed, and the apostle said, it's not our job. It's not our job. It's important, but it's not our job. A point said, a point said, man to, to take care of it, and that's where the diaconate ministry comes from. And they sorted it out. They said, we'll get on with preaching the word and prayer, and it will flourish as a consequence. And that's why it's a good model. But that trickles down 
So there's an inter interflow, and you see these two circles overlap. There's an interflow between the two, because there's a spiritual aspect to setting up the hall. There's a spiritual aspect to organising stuff. Um, and these people need to be just as spiritual as the spiritual leaders. It's not, it's not, it's not a second-rate ministry. And there's, a back, there's a flow of backwards and forwards, so there's an overlap. But it also trickles down, and more than trickles down, flows down to the wider church, because the role of leadership, as it is in any organisation, is to facilitate, to empower, to mobilise, so that the whole church body is engaged in the mission, in the ministry, assisting, even leading. I'm not, I'm not leadership, I'm leading this morning. It's okay, it's allowed, according to their gifts. And then that flows out to the wider local community. That's how church is supposed to work. I've already asked what's the vision of the church. This is, this is what the official line in the constitution document, I can send me a copy this morning, they asked them all to cover this Sunday one time. It says this, since we believe, and this was actually written years ago when Bromley Baptist Church was set up, but it's been carried forward. Since we believe that God has called us together to be an expression of the body of Christ in this locality, we commit our lives to Him and to one another for that purpose, both to nurture and build up one another in the Lord through love and to fulfill the commission to go into all the world to preach the gospel. Now, I, don't, I wouldn't call that a vision. I would call that a statement of intent. It's vaguely a mission statement. But it gives us something to work with, doesn't it? It's a, a, it's a purpose, and we should be driven by purpose. And I think that anybody's read Rick, whatever his name is, Rick Warren's book, Purpose Driven Life. This is a purpose driven church. We should be driven by purpose. We shouldn't be just floating, drifting. There's a few sailors in this room, you, you know fully well that if the boat is, the engine's not on in gear, if the sails are not filling, the boat's just jetting around, it's going nowhere. And you can't steer it, you can do what you like with the tiller or the steering wheel, nothing happens. It's only when it's moving that you can steer through a car. You can turn the wheel, nothing happens unless it's moving. You true of James, wonderful new bike. It has to be moving before turning the handlebars makes any difference, doesn't it? We need to be moving forward. What does that look like? What does that purpose look like? These are just my words. These were some words that were in my head one, one morning a few weeks ago when I was in prayer and I sort of scribbled it down. I'm not saying it's the answer, it's just some words I, that came to me. A spirit-filled pilgrim community of prayerful, worshipping, Disciple-making disciples. And disciple-making disciples is an important thing. We're supposed to replicate. Living as if the Bible was true. It is true, by the way. Committed to serving the purposes of God and advancing and realising his kingdom in brightness and beyond. But the question is, well, the instructions to pray, um, and I think something will probably be said about that. I'm looking at Joe at the meeting on Thursday. I don't have too much insight into what happens in the leadership, I just you know, pick up one or two for, for things. Instructions to pray. What sort of leader will best advance this purpose? Listen to what God says. The Lord will be that opportunity to feed back what He says to the leaders. We need to make sure that what we feed back is not just our personal preferences, our likes and dislikes, but we need to pray. God will be done. 
don't even count. That's it. Let's find out. Father, I don't believe you're finished with us yet. I really don't. Because if that was the case, then you'd have whisked us off to heaven. You'd left us here. You'd left us here for a purpose. You'd given us a commission. You want to serve our purpose. So please empower us for that. Guide us and teach us. Lead us. Challenge us. Stir us up when you need to. But use us for your glory. Amen.